Welcome to Mentality Meets, conversations that explore mental health stories and strategies to help leaders like you change the culture of mental health in your workplace. I am Peter Larkham and today we are talking with Emmanuel Jal, who started in life as a child soldier in the war-torn region of southern Sudan. So be warned, this starts off heavy. Now we'll be speaking about how he specifically overcame his traumas and reclaimed his mind, which was consumed by debilitating thoughts and beliefs from his past. So here's my conversation with Emmanuel Jal. Today we are going to be talking to Emmanuel Jarl, uh, who's joining us from the other side of the, con- of the country, other side of the world, in fact, uh, from Canada today. So, as always, Mentality Meets just needs to start with a little bit of a health warning, okay? During Mentality Meets, we talk about mental health and mental health illnesses. You know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. That means that we don't quite know where this conversation may take us which means that we need you to be aware of what is going on inside of you. If you feel vulnerable or uh, more engaged with your emotions than you were expecting to as we go through this session, what we would like to ask is that you reach out for help. In the UK, there's a fantastic helpline, which is through the Samaritans on 116123. Or you can text SHOUT to 85258. Now, in the UK, that's the first text service, 24-7 text service available if you are struggling and need to reach out to someone. You can text SHOUT to 85258. Somebody will then get in back in contact with you. Another option is uh, in the UK, we are advertising and promoting the hubofhope.co.uk. Now, the fantastic thing about the Hub of Hope is that you put your postcode in and it gives you the mental health provision in your local area. Now, this is brilliant if you're supporting someone on the other side of the country. So you can put their postcode in and it will show you the mental health provision in their local area. So if you feel like you need to talk to someone uh, and your mental health is not in the healthiest place that you think it could be, then don't be afraid to reach out for help. So as we go through this uh, time together with Emmanuel, uh, Emmanuel, can you just give us a, a little bit of an introduction to who you are, what your journey has been, and kind of why we're talking together on Mentality Meets today. So Emmanuel, just uh, take a moment and introduce yourself to us. Well, so I'm a recording artist, so that's what I can say for now. That's what people know me for. And also as a storyteller. So I share my experiences for social emotional learning and, and also I'm also involved in a lot of work to do with engaging people to find their purpose or discover who they are. So there's a lot of things that are happening in my life. It's just uh, as we go along talking, then there'll be more for people to discover. Out of all the things that are going on in the world at the moment, what for you is the burning question in relation to uh, this conversation today. What is it that you want our audience to, to begin to question? What's your burning question for us? Well, it would, I have several questions, but the one that I could ask now would be, who owns your mind? Who owns your mind? I want you to just think and take that deep into your head. I usually ask that question. I ask wherever I go. A young kid put his hands up and he said, sugar 
owns my mind. Uh, a Caucasian man in Utah put his hands up and he said, a Somalian woman owns his mind. And so who owns your mind? Is it fear, worry, anxiety, or poverty? Who owns your mind? Because the battles are fought in the mind and they're won in the heart. And whoever owns your mind owns you and everything you create. So what on my mind was fear, worry, anxiety, poverty, shame, unworthiness. But what dominated my mind the most was trauma. And what is it? I call it a soul murder, a mental genocide an invasion of demons to occupy space in your mind. So you have flashbacks in the day and nightmares at night. And where did it come from? It's rooted in my childhood experience. I was born in a country that was torn by that by war. And that war reached the core of my family. I became a child soldier. I was a refugee and from one place to another. But some people may ask me, ask a question or may say, Jal, that is too extreme to us, to our situation and our uh, experiences. What I can say, each and every human being will experience a suffering. All of us will suffer. Whether you have so much or if you have little, we're in this world and the universe has got something for each one of us to go through. Some Buddhist trauma could be they were bullied in school. Somebody else, it could be abusive marriage. Somebody else could be emotional uh, uh, abuse, either by your boss or by your colleague. Somebody else, it's a child abuse, somebody else's sex slave, somebody else's car accident, and somebody else's business deal gone bad. Whatever thought that comes into your mind and rob you your day and, and take occupy space in your mind that does not allow you to function, that's trauma. And if you're depressed, that's also trauma. And if your anxiety are extreme, the root cause of it is trauma. If your stress is beyond the norm, then there's also trauma. So we have depression, we have bitterness, we have, so we have to see what are the gateway of these uh, experiences because the experiences we experience are what impact us every day. And so in, in, in that question, as I could say, when I was in a survival state, it was different, you know, that my traumatic experience began to show up when I was in a peaceful environment. And one test I could tell to you guys is probably you're on a survival state. You don't know. Put yourself on a 10-day not talking to anybody. You'll go mad because at that moment, it's like you're in a peaceful environment. Everything will visit you. And so to me, what were the flashbacks I experienced? When I was in school, I would have a flashback and the pen would be stuck in my hand. And sometimes I'd wish the teacher would ask me a question, young man, what is in your head? And the teacher never asked me that question. And what was the flashback? It could either somebody's head chopped off when I was in a battlefield or me starving or watching somebody that I could not help at that moment, guilt of the past, whatever it is that is triggered at that time would try to dominate me and isolate me and torment me when nobody's watching. And so, one of the flashbacks that I may share is a little story in one of the gen, which became a foundation to what gave me strength to move on today. Because I want to share this part because so that you can resonate and go into your part of your journey. You'll find that's a part of your story that gives you strength every day when you wake up. And this part 
of mine is, it was when I did not know what trauma is at that time. So we were walking and there was a child soldier that was with us. He was promised he was gonna be picked later. And he was left under a tree, 50 meters away as we were walking. He knew that nobody's gonna come for him because he was injured. So he cocked his G3 and fired the gun on his head and he blew his head off. And you could just see the brain spilling off. Now he planned that thought in me. And when I looked at him, something in my head told me, why don't you do like him? Because for days we were drinking our own urines. We were starving, uh, dehydration. But the thing that was disturbing me the most was my left foot. So my left foot here, the toe is cut here. This part here was cut and it's hanging out and it was rotten. Every time I take a step, it was so painful. I walk on the grass, it's painful. And that pain was taking a lot of energy off me. And so what I came to experience at this moment is when your future and your present and the past collide negatively at one moment and you don't know your purpose and you're not fully grounded in it, you lose hope because only our purpose makes us understand each and every suffering to give us a meaning. So at that moment, I lost hope. Because I look at my future, I could not see anything. Imagine you look at your future and you see it's black. And I was a kid who has imagination. I can't see any possibility that we're going to survive. And then I look at my past, it's ugly. The things that show up is the face of my mother or people's head chopped off in the village, village burning and bad experiences. And when I look at my present, soldiers are committing suicide. People are dying. And starvation is here. And my foot, which was painful, was here. And then I stopped for that moment. And I pulled my gun, tried to cock it. I didn't have the energy. So I cocked it with my leg. And I closed my eye. And I fired the bullet. Now the bullet failed. Now that bullet failed. But the shock made me thought that I died until the pain itself woke me up slowly by slowly. Now, when the pain began to appear, a voice came along with that pain, telling me, you are here for a reason. And I picked that line, and I said, I'm here for a reason. And for that reason, I'm going to stay alive. And I believe I'll survive for a reason. And so I began to say those words over and over and over. And now by saying those were repeating over, I was possessed by them that when I took my first step, the pain was there. But the second step and the third step, the pain began to disappear. And that night, it led me to sleep so well. And this part of my journey laid the foundation for, every, for all other experience that were to come. It gave my life a meaning that I am here for a reason. And how did it connect it to me? It connected it to my childhood dreams how I always wanted to be a part of a solution, how I dreamed that I want to be among those people who are going to make our world a better place. And that's, that it brought that. And I started dreaming as I walk. Now we arrive at a much, much difficult environment at this moment, at a swampy ground, where now we were not having water before, but now we're in a swampy ground. And this swampy ground, the water was up to my chest, but on a soldier, it's probably on their legs. Now, we walked 
hours and hours. There was no piece of land where we could put us, our foot in. And in this part, what happened here is mosquitoes, a swamp of mosquitoes will fly into our faces. Now, you cannot go like that all the time. So you allow them to sit down. And then when you find a moment, you just wipe your face. And everybody's face was like we're in a battle with swords. It's blood all over our face. Now, what I found, one, one story stuck into my head, and it moves me up to now, is when somebody falls down, nobody has the energy to pick them up. So you just watch the bubbles of that person drowning. Now, what helped me in this journey is the mantras that I am here for a reason. And I believe I've survived for a reason. And for whatever it is, I'm not going to take my life. I'm going to stay to the end. Let the, let the universe take it as it please, but I'm not taking it. Because the same thought, once you have suicide, suicidal thought, it will come over whenever you experience something even tough. And so, but these beliefs help me inside. So I say my mantra. Then there was another man, an older soldier, a child soldier fell into the water. And it kneeled down. It tried to bend and pull him up. And they both drowned. In a shallow ground, they both drowned. Now, how would you watch people die and do nothing in, in, in this water? So in my head, a question came to my head. Yes, I want to be a part of a solution someday. But what can, I, can you do right now to be part of a solution as you watch people? Now, that same question came, what about if you eat that tree? If you don't die, share it with the rest. Collect those snails that are floating on the, on the swamp. Eat them. If you don't die, share it with the rest. So I followed that, and I ate those, and they gave me energy, and others started to apply. And in that swampy ground, we were able to move to a dry ground and with strength. What was killing us? was lack of energy because we didn't have food, but there's water. And so now those are the experiences that would haunt me when I'm in a peaceful environment. And when I was there, when I finally managed to overcome these experiences, uh, I stumbled on other experiences. You know, when I overcome my traumatic experiences, I stumble on what is called the mental poverty. And I think maybe mental poverty, uh, uh, Peter, you may know about what mental poverty is. When your motivational circuit is calcified, that you don't have the willpower to continue to move, to thrive, that's also poverty within. When you are not disciplined, when you're not persistent, when you're not able to plan and strategize, when you're not able to engage your mind to do what you want, when you're not able to focus. Now, Born in a war-torn country, focus was one thing that was stolen from me because my attention to be able to concentrate on something was, was always like this. My head is like this. It's like a bomb is going to drop. I'm always looking around. And that cost me a lot. The third challenge I came across, across was after, after getting myself together to increase my mental wealth, that's when I was able to have this international attention where I traveled around the world. I became a musician and, and, and got accepted by the international community 
and now I was able to be able to, to be stable and do great work for myself and for others. But I stumbled on the Western disease called stress, which I did not know how to deal with. Now, when I compare that stress, which this is my last point so that I, I can allow Peter to just <laughs> dive in, is Western stress, when I compared when I was a child, so the stress we have was able to unite us to do something. It keeps us connected and united. Now, but the Western stress is persistent and consistent, and it disconnects you within as a person and also with your community and your people. And what it does, it makes you feeble, stupid, stupid and primitive. Now, I think those are deep words, but instead of you being more productive, you become less productive. And so when I compare, when I put these three things together, which are the things that we're talking about, mental illness, mental poverty, trauma, and high stress, these things has one thing in common. They shut down the faculties of our mind that are responsible for long-term projects, planning organization, building relationships, being able to see the future. People will act on instinct and emotion instead of using their logic, reason, and intuition to make decisions. And so I could talk for hours, but I just want to talk here. The question is deeper. The journey, if we, each one of us want to be productive, we have to be able to turn our eyes inside and do that internal engineering and fix ourselves. Hi, wow. Okay. Now, uh, welcome to Mentality Meets, everybody. Um, Emmanuel, there is so much, so much in, in what you've just been talking about. And just an incredible story. And I think for a lot of the people listening, the, the connection for, for themselves to, to the experiences that you have are so, so far removed. And but what, I'm, what I'm wanting to pick up on, what I'm, what I'm hearing through this conversation is kind of no matter what our lives have been, we all have a history and we all have a past. And depending on the situations that have happened during those times, impact on our on our mental health, on the mental health journey that we are on. Um, there are good times, there are bad times. Um, but I think it's, it's some of the more common things for, for me are the things around the, the bullying or being bullied. And I put it that way particularly because I turned into the bully because mm. I was bullied so much that I found it easier to, to be the one who was causing the trouble than the one to receive it. And what that did for me, certainly kind of within my teen years, is it created an environment where I felt always under threat. And what you're talking about is, is kind of that, that threat and that fear and how that begins to have a negative impact on us. And I don't know whether people have experienced within the workplace where they feel like they're under threat, um, either from their work colleagues who may be doing better than they are or from the environment that they're working in or through the fact that they... I've spoken to so many people who often say, I feel like the rug could be pulled out from underneath me at any moment. I feel like people may find out that maybe I'm not as good as they think I am. Or, um, and I was listening to, to Michael McIntyre. He's a bit of a fan. Uh, I'm a bit of, actually, I was going to say he's a bit of a fan of mine. Uh, no, other way around. I'm a bit of a fan of him. But he said, you're only as good as your last performance. Because as soon as you have a bad performance, you get a bad review and it begins to knock everything out from underneath you. And, and I think so many of us have those 
kind of experiences. So not to the same extreme, but can certainly identify with that feeling of almost worthlessness, I suppose. And what I'm hearing from, from you and what I'd like, love to begin to explore is how we begin to, to, to overcome these things. Because what I'm hearing from you, Emmanuel, is that, that we have control over our brain. And now for a lot of people, this is a fascinating concept that we are in control of our brain because our brain controls everything. And so how do we regain control of our brains? And, and this is kind of what has fascinated me about your story is that you have learned how to overcome such extreme trauma and experience to, to get yourself to a place of, of mental health and may I say mental strength also in your understanding of your own story and, and how to, how to do that. Uh, and I would love to begin to, to explore the, the tools and the tips that, that you may have for uh, us as an audience, because if we can say that we have been on uh, that journey, even just a little bit, then the question is, how do we begin to overcome those negatives? And the other thing which I hear from you is that you said, it's not until you're in a place of peace that that negative trauma begins to to fight you again because when you're in that place you're, you're so much in the, the chaotic place and just trying to survive that it's not until you're in a safer environment that those negative thoughts begin to cascade upon us and i would love to try uh, in the next few minutes to explore some ideas at least some some tools and some tips of how we might be able to move our mental health to a healthier place well, it's a whole process. It's a commitment of a person to self to go through that journey. What I could share is this. Uh, this I share these experiences for people. If anybody wants to explore it uh, more and see how we do, we have a community called My Life is Art Community, and we do these practices that I share, how people can rewire their mind. But I want to share one of, one of the programs that is a founding program that we built everything on it's called programming and reprogramming of self which is about creating self-worth and values by hacking into your subconscious to define and redefine who you are by shifting your paradigm to create new habits and beliefs that you can use to manage your thoughts ideas thinking process your skills and talents and using them to achieve your goals and dreams and how it works is it works Basically, a person must know their vision. They have to have an audacious goal. And the second step would be knowing their purpose. After they know their purpose is, they change their environment. So there are two types of environment. There's external environment and then there's internal environment. Now, the external environment is what you're exposed to, what you can smell, what you can see, who you are, where you sleep, whatever it is, your community, where all your workplace, what is that you can change that is physical? Uh, maybe when you heard the term hanging around wise men, you'll be wise. So if you hang around fools, you're going to be the next one. So the internal environment is more focused on two parts, the condition of your heart and the state of your mind. So we have to visit those people. People are afraid to investigate themselves. That's why they're busy going out and running away. They don't want to clean themselves internally. And so here we see what is running your heart? What is driving your heart? What is driving your mind? So we go deep into that to show people how to 
how to do that. But the two things that I found that work, I'll share in a bit, is how do you create the habit and the belief to put yourself in together? Now, the methods I used that changed my life, there was no any scientific uh, proof to show what I am teaching until somebody challenged me to go out and read. And I realized there is information out there that can prove the process that I did. And I wish I found some people to help me before. And I didn't know there are people who are trained just to help you with your brain. I did not know that. But now I know they exist. And so it says 95% of decisions we make are done by our subconscious. And 5% are done by our conscious mind. And we are emotional beings. Basically, we make our decisions with our emotions. So the summation of, this, a summation of emotions you generate every day make your decision. And the summation of your decision create your future. If 95% of decisions you make every day are done by your subconscious, then what kind of a life you're going to be? What kind of a future you're going to have? So it means if you're born poor, you're likely going to be poor for the rest of your life. Unless you have a vision, you know your purpose and change your environment, which means you're committed into changing yourself. It's not the psychiatrist that is going to do it. Now, all this conversation we're going here is going to jump off the window. But if a person here is willing to transform their life, they will transform their life. They'll find a way and they'll come and teach us. It's written that you can't be in a point of authority without your experiences. Each one of us has experience. And those experiences we have is what gives our life a meaning in every stage that we have. And that's what gives us that power to be able to help others. So if you're born wealthy, you're likely going to be wealthy for the rest of your life unless you don't have a vision, you don't know your purpose, and you change your environment. And we can see that from families who are so wealthy and their kids lack a sense of purpose, don't know their vision, and they're in the wrong environment. And then after that, when we do that, three steps after that that we teach people, one which uh, allow you to hack into your, a part in your mind that is called a reptilian brain, so which hold our motivation circuit. So that's where we plant the belief. So we show somebody how can you plant those beliefs in, the new belief that you create, how do you punch it in to stay there to manage your life? And the second step is how do you teach your subconscious, how do you teach your conscious mind? So this, the conscious mind learned through curiosity, subconscious mind learned through repetition, now, so, and how we do it, first, we show you how to plant beliefs in your mind. Second, we show you how to educate your subconscious by looking for the story. And the third step is we show you how to make incremental step of action. When a person does these three things properly, their brain releases something called neurotrophins, which create new dendrites that will absorb those information for short term and long term. And that's when they can change their behavior. What we are looking for is something called myelin. The thicker it is, the better. It takes 30 to 50 years for myelin to disintegrate. That's why you find somebody you know and say, you're still the same, you haven't changed, you're still with the same old habit. It's because they still have the old pathways. They haven't created new pathways. It doesn't mean the trauma I experienced is not there. What has changed is I created new pathways in my mind that manage my daily activities. And now my traumatic experience become a potential energy, a resource, an infinite 
reservoir in which I can collect data from and use it for now. The biggest challenge we have as human beings is because we hold our emotion to the pain of the past, which robs us the value that it gives us. Wow. Okay, so uh, let's try and kind of wrap all of this up because we've literally got one minute left. I can't believe that 30 minutes has disappeared so quickly. What I'm loving to hear and what I think is just so powerful is that when we focus on the emotion of the past, it robs us. And yet if we can take our subconscious brain and create more purposeful decisions through the conscious brain, we will then be able to move our lives forward. What I'm also hearing is that we need to have a goal. We need to have a purpose. We need to have a direction. And you call it an audacious, audacious kind of plan. Something that is moving you towards something good. Another fascinating part about this is just the impact that that has on our brain. And you've been talking about the, the different kind of science of it and the fact that your brain is elastoplasticity, which means your brain will physically change shape depending on how we think. So that was Emmanuel Jarl, and what an amazing insight. So not even extreme traumas can stop us from finding positive mental health, even when the past appears desolate. The key statement from Emmanuel today is that no one can change you but you, and we need to win every day in our mind first. So next week, we have a returning guest, Dave Chawner, award-winning author and comic and we'll be speaking about what's so funny about mental health and how Dave uses comedy to break the stigma. Please also leave a review on iTunes. It really helps us get the word out and the link is in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to Mentality Meets, conversations that explore mental health stories and strategies to help leaders like you change the culture of mental health in the workplace.